Good morning. Morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. My name's Joe Barlow. I'm just one of the participants here. It's guest day today. We are so honored to have uh, our some of our spouses and daughters and sons, children with us. It makes for a great time. Christmas is a good time. Christmas is a good time. You know, I was reminded uh, when the winter solstice happened earlier this week. Um, and I, I, I don't want a theologian to raise his hand. I've already cleared this with Phil. He didn't know either, so I feel okay in saying this. Um, you know, the 25th of December is not necessarily the day Christ was born. But it was recognized many years ago that after we passed the darkest day of the year and the sun began to stay out longer, that Christ was the light, the light of the world. Incarnation, four-week series culminating today. The incarnation of Christ God with us, God becoming man, fully man. What does that mean to us? That means that there is nothing that we experience, nothing we go through, nothing that this world brings upon us that Christ didn't experience himself. He understands our pain. He understands our hurt. And to be reconciled with him draws us back to God the Father. That's what this series is about, the incarnation. We welcome our guests, thank them for being here. Um, we're at the end of the year and uh, got a little piece on Ebenezer. I think you've got a slide to show up, Jeff. He's listening. Ebenezer, he's listening to music, yeah. All right, here we go. Kind of making an end of the year um, push and contributions. And uh, Phil has an update that he wants to share with us as well. but. Uh, Guys, those of you that have made a commitment, and if it was a commitment for this year, I would appreciate, and I know Phil would as well, that you, you honor that commitment and, and get your money in before the end of the year. For those of you that have not made a commitment or feel that you can make one, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, wives and, and children, Ebenezer Deer Camp is a place that we go uh, for a three-day weekend. We don't do any hunting there with rifles or bows or anything like that. It's a place for guys to get together to fellowship with each other and a place where guys can be with other guys and do what the Bible instructs us to do where iron sharpens iron. Men open up their hearts to other men and find out that they're really not so different than the rest of the men of the world as well. It's a place of acceptance, a place of love, not a place of judgment. And in this day and time, that is sorely, sorely needed. I spoke to a young lady the other day whose marriage failed and I looked at her and I said, you know, I, I, I have no judgment upon you. I put judgment upon me. We failed your husband. As men, we failed your husband, who in turn failed you. This is a place that we can reach more men, help more men, and help their families. I ask that you consider donating there. Who you want to update us on a couple yeah, things? I, I... I so appreciate um, the uh, generosity and uh, what God's done in um, our capital funds campaign and uh, seeking to make a special place, uh, a better place at Ebenezer uh, Place. And, uh, and right now we're at $150,000 and um, so grateful for that. And, um, <laughs> um, and again, you know, um, whatever God provides will dictate 
what we built. And between now and the end of the year, uh, I had a friend call me last night uh, from out of state. Um, and he understands he's never been to Ebenezer Place. And uh, he's been watching the flyers going out. And he said, what I want to do is I want to offer a matching fund of $25,000 between now and the end of the year. So anybody that gives at this point, uh, uh, your uh, gift would double. And so um, if we get 25 more thousand uh, pledged and he'll throw in his 25, we'd be at 200. So dear Jesus, get us to 200, but uh, so grateful for where we are and uh, we'll do whatever God uh, provides that allows us to do. So thank you. Great. Phil, don't go too far. For those of you that don't know Phil Harden, our leader, Phil is uh, with Santa this morning. <laughs> I feel somewhere between a pregnant woman, uh, all due respect to women, because I don't know what that really feels like, and a kangaroo. Yes. Yes. Phil, uh, the men of Roundtable have a gift for you. It's that time of year. You know, Jesus is the ultimate gift. Anything short of Jesus, just a gift. And it's in a red bag, and Mr. Jimmy was going to present this to you. But being in a red bag, I'm a little nervous about touching anything other than the handle. So I'm going to ask my friend Ronnie to come up oh, wow. and present you with oh, this wow. gift, if you don't mind. Oh, wow. All Please. right. Ronnie, All right. Ronnie you're you making me fun. nervous. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Bill, uh, about a month ago, Tennessee played Ole Miss. Yes, I remember. And I went to Bill over there early one morning when we met. And I gave him a yellow golf ball that said 3126 on it. And I said, roll this down in front of Phil before this thing starts. <laughs> so you've got a great gift for me that day. And, yep. I, and I know you're not an old Miss fan. I, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we are what we are. All right. But this is a great gift, a great idea that the men had for you. And, and on a serious note, I just want to tell you how much you bless this group. It's a great meeting. It's my favorite meeting I do it always. Mm. I always draw something out of it about Jesus. Mm. Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you. But this is on a lighter note. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to love it. And, and <coughs> don't go to the class here when you leave. All right. Wear it and make a better man out of it. Okay, all right. Can I, can I open it now? Please. I want to open it now. Please open it now. All right. It's not socks. All right. We've all done right. that before. You here we go. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't touch that. <laughs> That's cruel. That's just cruel. Absolutely cruel. Socks or no socks, you, know, you can wear the slides. Ugly sweater, ugly shoe. <laughs> Thank you. I think. Guys, those of you that didn't see, there's a card out back um, when you leave. It's a Christmas card back there for Phil and a, and a football family to drop a donation in if you would consider doing that. Let me open this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, thank you for the men that are here and for their guests. Lord, I ask that you bless them. Bless us today. Thank you for ceasefire. Thank you for the men's roundtable leadership team for what they do week in, week out. Thank you for Phil and Audrey being here. Bless them this morning as they come to share. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Sir, you want to join me up here? Come on. I'm honored to have my uh, oldest daughter, Audrey, uh, with me this morning. She and I are going to share. Um, as we traditionally do, we begin our uh, session with a song, and I have a song for you this morning. Those of you who have been coming uh, to our um, gatherings through the year know that we have a few traditions. One, of course, is to have guest day on this day. Uh, another one of the traditions is to play this song. This is my favorite Christmas song. Um, and I uh, love the song because of the story behind the song. And um, sometimes during um, Christmas, it can be a, a really hard time, a troubling time, as it was for Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, in 1864. The video will tell the story. Uh, the song will express his heart. Um, and my hope is you'll hear the voice of God and get a little bit more in tune with the hope um, that God's given us at Christmas. May you hear the voice of God. It was a long, cold winter of 1863. The war between the states raged mercilessly. Antietam, Vicksburg, Gettysburg, Chickamauga. Sons, fathers, and brothers from Mississippi to Maine had not come home for Christmas and many would never return. Poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow sat in Cambridge, Massachusetts, pondering the state of the world around him. Longfellow had been widowed for two years since his wife's dress tragically caught fire, and his son, Charles, was now seriously wounded, having been injured on December 1st by a Confederate bullet at the Battle of New Hope Church. As he sat nursing his son on the long road to recovery, listening to the church bells pealing forth Christmas tidings. He struggled with the message of the angels proclaiming, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And he took up his pen and wrote. Sorry. 
Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. First, from First uh, Corinthians sixteen thirteen. We start out our, every Thursday morning uh, with that uh, passage, and we do it this morning as we welcome um, our guests. It's good to see beauty in the room. Uh, I truly believe that God's intent uh, when he created Eve was to uh, create his personal expression of beauty. And um, it is good to see some good looking faces in the room rather than the ugly mugs that we typically look at each Thursday. So welcome to the ladies. And uh, I'm especially glad to have my uh, beauty uh, with me, my oldest. And um, Audrey um, is a counselor. I don't know where in the world she got the idea that she wanted to be a counselor, you know, kind of in the blood, kind of in the family business. And uh, she's in Dallas and um, has her uh, own practice there. And um, Audrey, um, of course, grew up in Clinton um, as we were there. Uh, when she when we moved to Mississippi from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, she was five years old and uh, her uh, younger sister was two. And so we moved into Clinton and uh, I started graduate school at Reformed Theological Seminary and I had two baby girls. And um, <laughs> uh, um, I made a commitment when I started graduate school uh, that I'd do my best not to study in the in the afternoon when I came home. So when I came home from school, um, I was a daddy. And I got up early. And back uh, back then, uh, years ago, there was the old truck stop, many of you know, that existed in uh, Clinton. And I wound up at the, at the truck stop many a morning at 3.30 and 4 o'clock uh, a.m. And that's when I'd get up and I'd go over there and um, study. And... Um, Went through graduate school and Audrey and Abigail uh, uh, grew up. And uh, Audrey, um, you know, we tried to kind of make her a military brat uh, in a certain sense because um, she went to uh, Mount Salus Christian School and she went to Veritas. Uh, she went to, she was part of the first class in Brookhaven at the School of the Arts when it first opened. Uh, and then she finished her high school at JA. So we tried to confuse her as much as she uh, as we could. Clinton high oh, in Clinton High School. That's right. She went to Clinton High School her sophomore year, junior year at the School of the Arts, and then JA. So she's kind of a military brat in, in a certain sense. Then uh, she started uh, at Old Miss, uh, loved Old Miss, went one year at Old Miss, and then she wanted to do the public relations major. Uh, and they didn't have that at Ole Miss, so she transferred to Mississippi State. So, you know, how about that? How about that? So, so, so she kind of, she's a girl about town. She uh, uh, can relate to anybody. And, um, and don't forget, oh, is this working? Yeah. yeah and don't working. forget that when I wanted to transfer to Mississippi State, you said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I would never use such language. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, that must have been your mother that said that. Right? Uh, uh, yeah, you're like, not one more school. Not one more school. Uh, Here we are. So, well, and, and um, 
you know, the, the, the neat thing that, that I love uh, about um, telling a, a little bit of um, Audrey's story is that um, when she was 25 or so, she was living in Birmingham. And of course, you know, she would see her every, I don't know, three months, six months, whatever. And I remember uh, at one point when she came home, she's 25, <clears throat> beautiful as ever, as she is today. And it's like, I'm sitting there talking to her, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sitting there talking to her. And it's like going back in time because she's a clone of her mother. And her mother and I fell in love when Carla was 25. And I'm sitting there talking to this 25 year old young woman. And I'm thinking, you look like your mama. You talk like your mama. You think like your mama. It's like, oh my goodness, I've just gone back in time. And it just reminded me of uh, when Carla and I fell in love in State College, Pennsylvania. You and felt like you were 29 again. I know it. I know, I know it. So it, it is my delight uh, that she would get up early, early uh, this morning. She is like her mama. So this is not, this is not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> Um, and um, I've asked her to share a few words, and so uh, it is my delight uh, to welcome my oldest daughter, Audrey Hart. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Well, today I was, uh, well, I was driving and wondering what I was going to talk about and a, a couple of days ago, and, and God just really laid it on my heart to talk about remembering. And in the words of dad last night, uh, I was going to talk about remembering this morning, but I forgot. <laughs> we, all, we all know those memory problems. Uh, but, but as I was thinking about coming to Fairhope for Christmas, stopping in Jackson, we, we were talking about where am I going to drive or am I going to fly? Well, well, this extrovert wanted me to fly so we could drive home together. He wanted, he wanted a buddy, a driving buddy. Uh, but I, there's something about a long car ride that just allows you to think and decompress and remember and remember. There's something for me that when I've had an intense fall, that taking that long 10 hour drive from Dallas to Fairhope that helps me to just recenter and reflect and give thanks for all that God has done in that fall season. Because I know that if I do not stop to reflect and remember, I'll forget, I'll forget. As awesome as God is, as fruitful as my suffering has been that he's allowed, as rich as his blessing, I am still prone to forget. And I think that's one reason why the Bible tells us time and time again to remember, to remember, to give thanks. Gratitude, thankfulness is a way to remember. It's thanking God for what he has done. And I'll never forget that, God, that dad continuously throughout my childhood has reminded our whole family that the greatest enemy of our soul is forgetfulness. It's forgetfulness. 
And for all, spoiler alert, for all you deer campers, Zakar is the Hebrew word for remember. And you can bet that every time that he came back from deer camp, he had stories of the Zakar that men would collect at the end of the weekend to remember what God had done. Um, I, I was, I was reflecting even on my own story that so much of my story, so much of your story, so much of your pain and hurts are actually a promise from God that he's not finished yet. It's, it's a setup for what he's going to do. I think about Philippians 1, 6 that says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. So if he started that work, if he have, has allowed some suffering to break you, to, to turn your eyes to him, it's, it's a sign that he's working and he's not done. Um, so so I'm, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking, remember what he's done, look who he is, and look what's coming. It's kind of exciting. We know as Christians that there is, there is an exciting ending to our story. But I also wanted to leave a little remembrance, something to remember for our dads and our parents in the room. As a daughter, I think I can speak to this a little bit, but uh, I, I wanna leave you with two things to remember. Number one, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. <laughs> I always liked you best. I, I, <laughs> I wish I knew this more. I wish I knew this more um, as, a, as a child. I, I would say it's interesting <clears throat> that you, you got tearful when, when you said how hard you were committed to being a dad. And, and I, I definitely felt that, felt your presence, but there were definitely times where I didn't feel his commitment to us and our family. And now I'm gonna get teary, oof. Uh, but I, uh, I wish I had known more of his broken parts. I wish, what, Abigail and I, my sister, our biggest complaint with our parents was we never saw you struggle. You hid that from us. We didn't know that there was room to make mistakes. Not that you didn't love us when we made mistakes, but that we didn't hear about your broken parts, your struggles, your anxiety, your fear. And, and so parents, remember, there's no such thing as the perfect parent and you being authentic and real with your child is actually more helpful for their growth and development than it is to conceal that. And, uh, and yeah, number two, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> number two, it's your job to remind your kids and men to remind your spouse, women to remind your spouse, uh, of who they are and who they belong to. Mm. It's your job to point out their gifts, to point out their strengths. They need you to be a mirror to them, to reflect, because they forget. 
they forget. So to remember, uh, to remember that they need reminding of who they are, of whose they are. And if you don't understand their actions, if you don't understand the decisions that they're making, if you don't understand why they're so worried about this or so emotional about this, instead of getting critical or taking it personal, like it's about you, get curious. Don't get critical, get curious. Ask them, seek to know, invite them in. That, uh, that is something you did really well. Thank you. Yeah. If, if I needed to cry, I went to him. That's probably not a surprise. <laughs> but get curious instead of critical. Miss sons and daughters, I have two things for you to remember. Number one, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Therefore, they won't love you perfectly. And they won't know what you need all the time. When I was in high school, I was going to Brookhaven to, to the School of the Arts, which is the residential high school. And I was leaving my family, which I was excited about the adventure, but I remember having a really big meltdown over leaving a dad that I didn't feel like I knew. I felt like all the men got to know who dad was, but I didn't get to know who he was. And I remember writing you a letter and saying, dad, I don't know you. And you've worked so hard to be this perfect parent, to be this dad, but I don't know you. I don't know who you are, what you like, what, what your struggles have been. And, and he took that feedback and he began to change and let me in, let Abigail in. And that was the greatest gift because then I felt a sense of attachment to my dad, a connection to my dad. But he wouldn't have known what I needed until I told him. And I honestly didn't know what I needed until I did some self-reflection. So, so, so take an inward look of what you feel you are lacking from your parents and ask for it. <clears throat> Number two, your parents need help to know what you need, which requires you doing the inventory. So, so that's the, the clarity there. And sometimes what you need, it may not have been that big letter of, of saying, I don't know you. It could just be, I need a hug. It could be, uh, I need to be heard. I just need for you to listen. I don't need a solution. I just need you to listen. And uh, I need you, maybe mom, maybe dad, I need you to remind me who I am because I'm really struggling. I'm feeling really low. Um, I need you to remind me who God is. And then uh, as Christians, I, I think we all need to remember that grace abounds, that there are going to be moments where we blow it. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to say the wrong thing that hurts the, per the people that we love. But especially when we're stressed, especially the holiday season, like the one time you want it to be all about love, 
is usually the time that we hurt each other the most. I mean, I can remember for, we had a pattern, every Christmas Eve there'd be a blow up. Every Christmas Eve. And, you know, there would be tears. Those spam families, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, this, yeah, this family. <laughs> and and this boy would just say, uh, I'm out. And he'd just go to bed. <laughs> I'm out. So so there are definitely things to work through Christmas morning, more than just reading the Christmas story. <clears throat> uh, but I think what would have been so helpful to be uh spoken in those moments is it's not about what you did it's about what you do after what you did that's important because we will make mistakes so it's about the repair it's about pursuing relationship and connection after you blow it own it apologize ask for forgiveness ask for what's really needed in the situation ask for what you needed but it's not about what you did it's about what you do after what you've done that's important. I mean, there are things that my parents will come to me about and apologize for that happened years ago. And that has been the greatest gift to just know that I wasn't crazy, that I wasn't crazy. Because kids have to, when we're not, not everything is appropriate for us to know in the moment, but we feel it. We feel there's something going on. We feel the tension between our parents. We feel the financial stress that dad is carrying. We feel it. And you know what happens with kids usually? We believe it's our fault. It's either something that I did that was my, my fault or I was responsible somehow to fix it and repair it. And so if you can go back and acknowledge your stress or your outbursts or your... Um, your frustrations that you took out in the open that your kids picked up on, if you can go back and say, hey, that was me, that wasn't you, <clears throat> that burden is lifted off your child and they're free to then go and, and experience more of what is true about life, God, the world, than, than all these lies that they can believe about, <clears throat> them, about themselves. So. Not about what you did, it's about what you do after what you've done. So in the spirit of remembering, I want to leave you with this song in true hardened fashion to remember who he is, to remember what he's done in your life, to remember where he is in your life, and to remember what's coming. Because he who started a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Okay, listen to this song. How quickly we forget the God who lives in every to decide that you reside in the mundane How quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins The kind of power that empties grace And all my soul Remember who you're talking 
Remember, remember, remember. John chapter one, turn over to that, or uh, Jeff's going to uh, put that on the screen. 
Um, John chapter one, the word was first, the word present to God, God present to the word, the word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Jesus came into the world, the incarnation. And then jumping down to verse 12. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. It's like in, in your study Bible, that passage says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So one of the distinctions that we make is that not everybody is a child of God. Everybody is an image bearer of God. Everybody has been created in God's image. But it is only those who have surrendered to God and said, I have no hope of eternal life, forgiveness of sins without your provision. And your provision is Jesus. But as many as received him, those that um, asked Jesus to come into their hearts, did he give the right to become children of God? And the word became flesh and blood, verse 14, and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Full of grace and truth is what it says in your study Bible. I'm reading from the message. <clears throat> we have been studying the incarnation and the power of the incarnation over the last several weeks. And certainly what we do here every Thursday morning as a group of men um, is to try to make the gospel clear every morning. I want me, I want the men that are here to leave this room uh, believing that they have had a personal encounter with the living God in this place. That we met Jesus this morning. I want you to have that encounter this morning. Um, there in front of you, everybody should have two pennies. Will everybody pick up those two pennies and hold those two pennies? <clears throat> um, I call these Denny's pennies. And um, we um, showed the uh, video of Ebenezer Place. <clears throat> and Ebenezer Place is the retreat site that my good friend, Denny Gilbert, um, started uh, men's coaching weekends over 20 years ago. Uh, Denny grew up Jewish um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I grew up um, in East Tennessee. And um, we've all I've often laughed that somehow God put a Jewish guy from Philadelphia and a hillbilly from Tennessee in the woods of Mississippi 
to bring men uh, to Jesus. And we've been doing uh, these weekends for 20 years. And I call these Denny's Pennies because in um, February of 2007, Denny called me and he said, dude, I've got cancer. But they all know. And so uh, we started praying. Denny went through his uh, treatments. In April or so, he said, uh, he called me back. I'm cancer free. Fantastic. Carla and I flew up to Philadelphia and we spent Memorial Day uh, with Denny and Linda. And uh, Denny and Linda became Uncle Denny and Aunt Linda to the girls. And uh, we had a great time. In June, he calls me back and he says, dude, cancer's back. Oh, no, not good. So Denny and I started uh, weekly phone calls and uh, we would um, we were reading Tuesdays with Maury uh, to one another uh, and reading that book. It's a book about the Brandeis University uh, professor who had cancer and uh, was very open with his students about his process. And uh, Mitch Album, um, the um, um, uh, ESPN commentator and author uh, was a student um, of Maury, and he wrote the book, and Denny and I shared it. In August, Denny uh, and I were on the phone, and he said, dude, I want you to do my funeral. And it, I mean, I just still remember just the chills. I, I don't want to talk about your funeral. Uh, that, that's not a topic I want to address. He said, I, I want you to do my funeral, and I want you to share the gospel at my funeral with my Jewish friends and family. Denny, of course, had become um, a Christian and, and believed Jesus was his Messiah. And um, he said, will you do that? And there was silence on the phone and I said, no. <laughs> I said, you're gonna be dancing with Jesus in heaven and I'm gonna be with your Jewish friends and family and they're gonna beat the crap out of me in the parking lot. I ain't doing that. That's what kind of friend I am. And so there was silence again, and I said, I, but I tell you what I'll do. You sit down and you write a letter uh, and you tell your uh, friends what you want them to know, and I'll read your letter. And um, on September the 27th, 2007, at 2 a.m., he wrote the time at 2 a.m., he wrote this and six weeks later he was dancing with jesus six weeks now i would just ask you this if you knew in six weeks that you would be uh, in eternity what would you write to your friends and family this is what my friend denny wrote i want to share it with you this morning if it is my good friend, Phil Harden, standing before you reading this letter, please take comfort in the, in the fact that I am at peace, resting with my heavenly Father, and the pain and suffering has forever ended. It has been our prayer for the past 30 some years that I would always leave a trail of love behind me that others would know they had somehow had an encounter with God through me, that they had been loved by God through me, especially you, my children, especially you. 
and that you might experience the same relationship with God as I have, every birthday candle I blew out had the same wish, that you might come to know my Savior as yours, that you would receive the gift of eternal life, that you might be born again and live forever in peace. In the book of the prophet Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, and he just says, Phil, read that. And that passage just simply says, I have a plan for you for a future and a hope. And then it goes on to say, and when you seek me and you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. The promise is you will find God. Well, look no further. He is here now waiting to welcome you into a living relationship with him. If we look deep, we all have a void in our hearts, a void I believe only God can fill and wants to fill. I pray my life and now my death will have played a role in such a purpose. I know it takes faith, what may seem a giant leap for you, but that too is a free gift from God. He's waiting to give it freely you think about that. And then over in the margin, he just says, plan of salvation. I read that at Denny's funeral. <clears throat> and I shared the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. I often share it with a, with a diagram. I don't have time to draw the diagram. But the gospel's kind of there on your handout. You can kind of work that through. Maybe over the holidays, you kind of read through those scriptures. But the, but the gospel is simply this, that you and I are alienated from God because of sin. It's like a cancer that we can't get rid of. There's no hope. We've got cancer. The Bible calls it sin. We can't work hard enough. We can't pray hard enough. We can't read enough and know enough. We are hopeless. We're dying of cancer, of sin. And all of a sudden, dun 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 God is the hero, and he brings the Savior. His name is Jesus. And when we put our hope in Jesus and we bow the knee to Jesus, all of a sudden, cancer goes away. And by our faith in Jesus, God restores us to intimate connection with him by forgiving our sins and giving us eternal life. I shared that at Denny's funeral and I forgot to bring my Altoid box in here that I normally carry, but I carry a little Altoid box. You had it. I saw it. It was on. Is it there? Yeah. You Is had it, it out there? earlier. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's the tobacco box. No, that's, that's, that's not it. It's in, it's in another backpack. I got, I got too many backpacks, but anyway. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's not the one I carry, but that's that is that is a box. <laughs> but thank you. Um, 
but in that Altoid box that I carry with me uh, is 17 pennies. And at the end of um, um, Denny's funeral, uh, as I shared, I asked anybody that had uh, invited Jesus to be their Messiah to give me a penny. And, and um, 17 of Denny's friends and family gave a penny that day. I've given you um, two pennies. And I want you to, I want to invite you to do business with Jesus this morning. There on your handout are two prayers. One prayer uh, is a prayer of commitment. Maybe, maybe you've never initially bowed the knee. And I've, I've, I've never understood the gospel in what you've shared this morning, Phil, has clarified the gospel to me. And so I want to make it clear that I receive Jesus for the cancer in me, my sin. So that's one prayer. A lot of you in this room have, have prayed that prayer before. So the second prayer is, I would just call it a prayer of renewal. It's kind of like rebooting. It's like, I'm in. I'm in clearer and fresher. I want to reboot. I'm not, I'm not a, 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 a computer guy, an IT guy. I barely can send an email, but, you know, kind of reboot. And that's the second prayer. What I, what I want to do this morning as we close is just invite you to do business with Jesus in whatever way that means. Prayer number one or prayer number two. Uh, prayer number one, I need to receive Jesus as my only hope of forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Prayer number two, I've done that, but I want to walk with Jesus in a more intimate way. So as we close this morning, I would just invite you to do business with Jesus. Um, but if you do business with Jesus in whatever form, prayer one or prayer two, I'd ask you to do two things. Number one, write down what doing business with Jesus means. Write it out. You know, I'm prayer number one, prayer number two, write it out. Define it. Define it. And then number two, I'd ask you to share that with somebody. Share that with somebody that you came with this morning or a friend or whomever write it down share it okay so <clears throat> i'd like to close in prayer and then we're going to play the song um that we played at denny's funeral and just while that song uh plays um i'd like to uh, invite you to take one of your pennies if you're doing business with jesus and as you leave put it in the tobacco box there at the back of the room that Phil held up at that back table. And then I want you to keep the other penny as a remembrance. Remember, remember, okay? So I'll close in prayer. Jeff will play the song and um, just linger uh, for a minute, uh, do business with Jesus. And then as you leave, uh, I'd invite you uh, to put one of the pennies as a symbol of the business that you've done business with Jesus in the box. Merry Christmas. Dear Jesus,
we address you as Savior and Lord. We bow our heads to acknowledge uh, that until you came, we were hopeless. And yet, as you have come, uh, the angels promised us peace, uh, promised us goodwill toward one another, and promised us joy. And Father, we know that alienated from you, that we are hopeless. I thank you that you have um, taken the punishment on the cross for our sin, that you died for each of us, and that as we put our faith in you every day, every day, that you promise us forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to this song as we close. i uh-huh.
Thanks for coming. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you.